So my biggest takeaway. My biggest takeaway. So the biggest takeaway for me from the 2020-21 school year. Biggest takeaway. Oh, man. Kev, you want to start? <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. One of my biggest takeaways is and welcome ladies and gentlemen boys and girls guys gals and non-binary pals to another episode of all the above the show that gives you an unstandardized take on education i'm jeffrey garrett one of your co-hosts and i've been a middle and high school principal and a high school social studies teacher and as always i'm joined by what up family it's manuel rustin your favorite teacher's favorite teacher i'm a high school history teacher i recently wrapped up my 17th year in the classroom teaching in the Los Angeles area. And this, of course, here is all, the, all of the above, your home for news and analysis of all matters pertaining to our world of education. Shout out to any of you who are watching us or listening to us for the very first time. We hope you appreciate our show and the conversations that we have here. But before we even get into anything, Jeff, Jeff, you are, you are in violation of the dress code, man. This is strictly a shirt <laughs> and tie operation here. You show up in a t-shirt. What is this, man? What is this? Oh, uh, first of all, first of all, don't put me in a box, Manuel. Okay, <laughs> coming in, coming in here with all your, um, you know, normative, uh, hierarchical, yes. hegemonic, uh, oppressive thoughts. Okay, I'm a free person. All right, I do what I want. Um, and second of all, I'm the one who's in um, all the above show colors today. Okay, so True. what's what's your excuse? True. Well, I mean, my excuse <laughs> is that we have all these different uh, offerings now for our AOTA show merch. And actually today, Jeff, happens to be Juneteenth. So I wore an all of the above shirt that we have that features the uh, Pan-African red black green rbg revolutionary buck gangsta those if you know you know <laughs> colors and uh you know i wanted to represent so yes we are both in t-shirts and both of these shirts are available at our website aotashow.com if you go to the little link for support um and jeff they 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 read teach the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth i mean that should be Indeed. obvious right why why would that even be um why even put that on a shirt jeff aren't we teaching you know the truth what? everywhere you know, man, well, I think what I'm sensing happening here is uh, 1619 Project, uh, Critical Race Theory. Uh, you want you want to teach white children to hate white people, um, you know, uh, cultural you, Marxism, you hate America, communist, communist, Marxist, America, hate America, anti-American oh. <laughs> Frankfurt School, something, something, yes. word mush. Yes, uh, you know, uh, 1619 is not the most important date in American history. Lots it's of countries had slavery, Jeff. African, yes, well, African, <laughs> African kingdoms had slavery, Jeff. Listen, 1776 was when Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves after George Washington couldn't tell a lie and Ronald Reagan had a good morning in America, okay? And it's a, it's America. And it's America. communism. Yes, correct. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. We're a little off track here, Jeff. <laughs> uh, but it's all good. It's all good, man. We got we have a super dope agenda today. And if you're watching or listening, um, and especially if you've been with our show for, for a while, you, I think, very much appreciate some of the voices you're going to hear on the show today. So, Jeff, why don't you go ahead and tell us what's on the agenda? 
Well, man, well, today we have a fascinating episode uh, for everybody. It is a unique episode. You know, normally we, uh, we have our seminar, we bring on, um, you know, one or maybe two special guests. Today, Manuel, I didn't even count them all up. I think we got like seven, eight guests, okay? We, yeah. we got a whole bunch of dopeness. It w there might be some kind of uh, law out there about how much dopeness is allowed. We to have exceeded any, the limit. Any single today. episode. We have exceeded the limit today for sure. Whatever the FCC says it is, we are, we are breaking all kinds of boundaries. We're going to need today. a waiver for today's episode. We need a waiver. <laughs> are, yes. Yes. Like parental discretion is advised. Uh, um, so yeah, man, we have brought on a fascinating collection of some of our dopest, some of our favorite guests over the last uh, year, uh, really over the last few years, um, to join us today in a really important conversation, Manuel. And that is in almost all of the country at this point, the school year is wrapped up. Uh, very sorry for my, my homies in New York City that <laughs> still got a week to go. Man. But uh, for most of the country, the school year is wrapped and Definitely for everyone across the country, this has been the most unique, in many ways the most challenging, uh, in some ways the hardest, in other ways one of the most inspiring school years we have ever seen. Period. End of story. And we're bringing on uh, just a range of fascinating perspectives, folks who are deep experts in a lot of the different aspects of this field we call education to just debrief with us and talk about to them and from their perspective and their seat in the world, uh, what are their biggest takeaways from the year that was 2020, 2021. So it's going to be fascinating. Uh, I think folks are really going to love what our what our guests have to say. And uh, Manuel and I are going to chime in on it ourselves also. So stick around, folks. You definitely don't want to miss it. Yeah, can't wait. Going to be dope, obviously. Uh, but at first, we're going to have our Do Now segment where we take a look at recent news and headlines in the world of education. All right, stay tuned. All right, folks, now it's time for today's Do Now. Jeff, how are we gonna do the Do Now today? Uh, so, uh, Mr. Rustin, uh, you didn't hear that like the school year is basically over, right? Like, uh, you know, I'm, I, I got my grade, I turned it on my work, I'm good to go. I don't know what you're talking about with this do now, but I'm thinking like maybe we can do now watch a movie or something. Like, what's good? Uh, bell to bell instruction all the way through the whole year, man. You're trying to get out of this little do now just because school year's over. Like, I was up all night trying to plan out this do now. It's, I already got the slot in my grade book to input the grades for this do now. And you're trying to tell me that, like, you don't want to do it? I'm trying to tell you, is it going to lower my A? Because if it's not going to lower my A, then, <laughs> then I'm good. Well, I mean, yeah, technically you're at a 94% right now on this this. This little do now is only about 2%, but but still, I mean, it's it's about the learning, man. Don't you want, I mean, it's about the learning. It's not about the grade. It's not about the grade. <laughs> yeah, my mom wants to know, did I get my A? I think I got my A. So can we watch a movie? Tell your mama. I'm just kidding. Okay, okay, fine, <laughs> fine. You're right. The school year is over. 
And I guess this do now isn't going to affect your grade. We could go on and watch that movie of yours. However, it's got to be an educational movie because if the principal walks in on me, you know what I'm saying? So um, how about we watch a, a, a film featuring educators talking about their takeaways from the 2020-2021 school year. Is that good? That's good. Let's do it. All right. Up next, folks, today's seminar. All right, folks, welcome to today's seminar. We are so excited to have you with us. And I have to say, we have just what I think is a really important conversation uh, to get into today um, with a fantastic collection of some of the dopest, um, wisest, most inspirational educators that are out there in this country, frankly, that we've had on our show uh, you know, over, over this past year. Um, which has, I think, undoubtedly been among the strangest, toughest, most interesting, most challenging years any of us uh, has ever experienced um, in, in the profession of education. And we're going to be digging into with them the question of what is your biggest takeaway from the 2020-21 school year. So, Manuel, um, who, who we got among this collection of amazing, dope educators? Well, Jeff, we have a variety of, of super dope voices. We're going to hear from Julia Torres. Julia Torres is a school librarian in Colorado, and she's also the co-founder of Disrupt Texts. She joined us earlier this year to talk about English language arts and anti-racist practices in the ELA classroom. We're also going to hear from Dr. Bettina Shea. Dr. Bettina Shea is an associate professor of teacher education at Cal State Long Beach, and she joined us earlier this year uh, to, to talk about Asian Americans in education and the ongoing fight for racial justice. And we'll, of course, hear from our senior middle school correspondent, Genevieve DeBose, who's a, a literacy coach in the Watts area. And she's been on our show a number of times to speak about everything from anti-racism in the ELA classroom to just surviving the, the pandemic pedagogy that we experienced this year. And we're going to also hear from Larry Ferlazzo. Larry Ferlazzo is a English teacher in the Sacramento area. And he's also a pro prolific author. He's a columnist for Ed Week, and he mostly focuses on the work of, of educating English language learners. So just a collection of super dope guests, Jeff. I don't know if we can have anybody else, because that's already a lot, Jeff. I don't know. <laughs> that is a lot. Uh, I think that's the right phrase to use. I will say it's not everyone, Manuel but there's more, okay? Uh, so on top of that amazing collection, we have the, uh, you know, we, we joked around uh, when we were on their, their podcast uh, talking about ourselves as, as unicorns, uh, brothers from another mother, um, our, uh, you know, sort of mirror image podcasters from the other side of the Rockies, uh, the co-hosts of the Two Dope Teachers and a Mic podcast, Gerardo Munoz and Kevin Adams um, are going to be with us. They, of course, joined us on our show to talk about um, issues of educational justice and racial justice and elevating the voices of male educators of color. Um, so Kevin and Adam are going to be with us. Um, we've also got the fantastic Leo Glazé, um, Los Angeles area middle school teacher, 
um, voice of truth on Twitter um, and unapologetically black um, will be back with us. And uh, last but most certainly not least, we have the wonderful Megan Surreal, who joined us just recently on the show um, to talk about a lot of the issues impacting our youngest learners during the pandemic, um, our elementary school students. So uh, that is the list, Manuel. Eight amazing educators representing just about every, you know, sort of corner and, and aspect and perspective um, in our in our profession. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating set of ideas to explore with them. Absolutely, absolutely. So without further further ado, let's go ahead and uh, hear what they had to say about their biggest takeaways from this 2020-2021 school year. First up is Julia Torres, school librarian and co-founder of Disrupt Techs. So my biggest takeaway is definitely something that I have heard echoed from various um folks who I follow online, and it's something that is a refrain that's been repeated often. And it's nothing that we do is worth, or nothing that's worth doing should be done alone. It's always better if you're doing this with other people. Now, I've heard various versions of that said by Adrienne Marie Brown, by um, Miriam Kaba, and I hope that I'm saying her name right. Um, but she is the author of We Want, We Do This Till We Free Us. And I'm just looking at the book here. So, um, you know, I, I'm a librarian and I, I work in the business of people. I mean, all educators do, but the librarian is in a lot of ways the central hub of our learning communities. And I had a thriving library that served five schools and 2,000 students. And I had over 600 books in circulation when we went on lockdown. And somehow, you know, trying to figure out how to convert that into a virtual space has been tremendously challenging because there is no equivalent to that. That type of space and that type of energy and and that type of, of community that we built, that we fought for, there is no way to really convert that to an online space. However, I've learned to be grateful for the ability to forge connections with folks such as yourselves who are part of many of the communities that I am a part of. My Educolor community has really held me during this time. And the community of librarians, there's a hashtag called LibCollab, L-I-B-C-O-L-L-A-B. They, it's run by two white librarians. I pop in and pop out whenever I can, and it's a predominantly white space. Most librarian spaces are. So I pop in and out whenever I can, but still the librarian space has been so welcoming and so supportive to me and helped me improve my practice. And, you know, when I think of other communities that have been loving and supporting, I have to say that most recently we had to say goodbye to our SRO here on campus. So our student resource officer, for those who don't know what that is, um, I suppose through a various defunding and also a various um, initiatives, there have been moves to get rid of police in schools. And I have a friend and colleague named Yamil Baez. She's with um, Educolor who shared some phenomenal thoughts with me on removing cops from schools. 
And I'm going to not co-opt what she said and just encourage y'all to reach out to her and ask her because she has phenomenal things to say. So I don't, I'll backtrack and say, I don't really disagree with officer Henry not showing up as a police officer in our school anymore, but I can say he was one of the top advocates for our young people, specifically our young black children. And one of the things that I can say is that in his absence, I'm not sure who will fill quite that same role. So when a member of the community goes, first of all, several things happen. You see how much you love them, the role that they filled in your life, the role that they played in many children's lives. Um, and then you start thinking about what things will be like after they're gone. And I think given the fact that this year has been a year of tremendous loss for a lot of us, loss of the teacher selves that we thought we knew, loss of the job and our understanding of our ability to perform that job, loss of loved ones in the most extreme cases due to COVID, which has been you know, really traumatic and difficult, and also loss of loved ones not due to COVID. Many people have had to lose loved ones. I myself lost a great grandmother um, and was not able to attend the funeral because it had to be held at a distance. So I was watching it over Facebook Live, you know? So what I can say is, of course, nothing that's worth doing is worth doing alone. We are better, we thrive in community. But from this year, I've learned how to reshape my idea of what it means to show up in community and to really value those folks who contribute to me being my best self and really try to learn to love folks in a way that will help them be their best selves. When we had to say goodbye to Officer Henry, one of the things that stood out to me the most as I'm watching his virtual goodbye celebration was the Padlet with all the folks giving notes about how much they loved him and how much they would miss him. One of the former principals, my favorite principal, Rhonda Jewett, to the end, she will always be my favorite principal in Montbello. And I will say that here for everyone to hear. Black female principal, she came back from being retired from the district just to say goodbye to Officer Henry and gave a very impassioned speech about how much he meant to her and to the kids in our community. So I think making sure that we let folks know what we appreciate and love about them on a regular basis is something that I will never take for granted again. And I will make sure that I do that. So thank you for having me here. Thank you both for the role that you play in holding up communities, um, specifically communities for educators of color and folks who are out here trying to hold it down in predominantly white spaces, which has unique challenges. And then also, you know, I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak because I know that there are many folks who don't get the spotlight shown on them as often as I do. And I'm honored whenever anyone asks me to be a representative for librarians, for black female librarians, for folks who are out here in the community doing the best that we can to serve the kids. So thank you. And here is Dr. Bettina Shea, professor of teacher education at Cal State Long Beach. Yeah, so the biggest takeaway for me from the 2020-21 school year is um, the importance of honoring our humanity, right, and the humanity of everybody in educational spaces. So I think this was a year in which our humanity was really pushed to the limit. And when I say our, I mean all of us, right? So um, educators, students, right? I, I was in a director position, and I think it is so hard 
to function in these online socially distanced spaces, right? Or even as we started moving back to hybrid classrooms and, and started to somewhat take baby steps towards normalcy to really remember how human we are, but it was so important, right? Like I really felt um, this year, the strain on our collective mental health and well-being, right? And the importance of showing grace to one another, right? And I think we can only show grace to one another when we can acknowledge our own need, right? And so I, I'm when I think about humanity, I, I think about how human I was and how I tried to cope with my own like overworking, trying to do everything for everyone else strategies, but that burns you out, right? Because you can't give from an empty vessel. And so, um, so that's the big lesson for me from this year is that we have to honor our own humanity as educators. We need to honor the humanity of students, um, but we can't honor the humanity of our colleagues and our students if we can't actually um, be present to the things that we're going through. So that's probably my biggest takeaway from this year. This is Larry Ferlazzo, high school English and history teacher in Sacramento and opinion blogger for Ed Week. Well, first off, I got to say, I feel honored that you invited me back on. So I appreciate that. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway is the value of the, the Catholic Church has a perspective called subsidiarity, which, it, which means that the people closest to problems uh, are more likely to have a pretty good solution about how to fix them. Uh, Brian Stevenson, the racial justice organizer, also calls it proximate to. Um, and I think, uh, obviously, it's a little too early to find out exact research conclusions. But I talked to a lot of teachers around the country and a lot of administrators and, uh, as well. And it seems pretty clear that the, the districts that... Uh, really engage with teachers, students, and families had uh, a much better year than the districts who did not. And um, I think you had some districts and some district leaders who felt like they were the smartest people in the room. And the old saying, right, is if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> and uh, I think in those districts, they had a lot, uh, a lot more challenges. Uh, and to, to give you an example um, the, uh, of this kind of hubris, uh, our district uh, had its opening line when they announced their reopening plans where we've thought of everything. <laughs> and of course they had had zero conversations with teachers prior to announcing their reopening plans. And then when they finally sat down with uh, our union local to begin to finalize them, they realized all the other things <laughs> that they did not think of, including the fact that maybe the 10-year-old computers in our classrooms might not work really well with concurrent teaching. Um, 
So, but I, I think, you know, you, you contrast that, I think, where, where there were a number of districts, including in our region, that really engage with teachers uh, much earlier and had a much smoother roll, rollout. And that also includes, I think, engaging with parents, right? You had some districts that just sent out, you know, online, you know, an online survey or two, but did not follow up with calls, did not um, do, did very minimal follow-up, which meant I think a lot of parents, particularly parents of color, were omitted in the equation in developing um, reopening plans. And then it also relates to districts that try to develop sort of centralized programs to contact students who had disappeared, as opposed to some districts that allowed schools, that gave money to schools to hire local people who had relationships in the neighborhoods to reach out and track those students down. And it even goes down to teachers. I know for me, um, hey, listen, my remote classes will win no prizes, but they were a lot less terrible because in my class, I developed, we had leadership teams of students in each class that we met regularly to debrief and evaluate how the class was going, how to make it better. They were in charge of small, of leading small groups and lots of teachers did similar stuff. So I think that takeaway that the more we we pay attention to the principle of subsidiarity, the principle of proximate to, uh, in in our work, the better for everybody. This is Genevieve DeBose, literacy coach in Watts, and our all of the above senior middle school correspondent. That is a great question, and I really. I've been thinking a lot about this question um, and really want wanted to have like a really profound answer. And, you know, it's something like, you know, teachers are so incredibly resilient, which we already knew, um, and kids are amazing, which we already knew. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I, when I think about this, I, <laughs> my first thought is this year has absolutely sucked. and. Um, one of my biggest takeaways is I hope that we never have to experience a school year like this again um, in our lives, but also that no one has to experience a school year like this. Um, and then my, I think the biggest thing beyond that is just that people, people need people. Um, that being separated from each other and not being able to be physically together in learning spaces has been so incredibly difficult for educators, for students, for families. Um, you know, we are humans, we are pack animals, we are meant to be with other humans in physical shared spaces and in community. And that has been, I think, one of my biggest takeaways in the last five or six weeks that we've been back on campus. There has just been such um, kind of a sigh of relief amongst staff members, amongst kids. And I know it's not for everyone, um, but for, for colleagues to say like, it is so good to just see you, even though I can't physically come to your classroom and we have to be outside with our masks on, 
I can talk to you about something and not say, hey, you need to jump on a Zoom. Um, and for kids, like kids have been at our school, we the first week back, we had, you know, a small amount of kids, but each week more and more kids are coming back because kids are hearing from their, their friends, hey, it's actually nice to be back. And yeah, we have to stay separated in certain times of the day. And it's not ideal because I'm still on Zoom all day, but I get to like do fun stuff at lunch and there's book clubs and the librarian's got a cart and she's pushing it around the lunch tables asking who wants to check out a book. Um, you know, and our counseling team is doing really fun things and there's music playing and it's just joyful. And so my biggest takeaway is that people need people. And education is, we all know, is about so much more than skills and standards. It's about our connection to each other and the communities that we are creating in our shared learning spaces and in the physical space of school. So um, as much as we can do as a nation to ensure that people can return to schools physically safely, it will, we will be so much better for it um, because being in that shared space is just so much better for everyone's soul, everyone's spirit, um, and for our learning. And, and I've seen kids, you know, some kids have been like, oh, miss, it's so much better because I could just ask my teacher in person a question, <laughs> you know, and it's like, yes, you know, you don't have to send them an, a Google message or write, send them a private message in the chat or just not ask because you can't, you know, mm -hmm. so that that's my biggest takeaway. We, we need each other. And as when we can be physically together and safe, real learning and connection can happen. This is Leo Glazé, middle school history teacher in the Los Angeles area. I, I've been thinking about this question for the last couple of weeks since y'all uh, invited me to come on. And I'd probably written down 30 different things and I try to whittle it down to like five or so. And uh, so I've, I've, I've got a couple. Um, the first one, man, is that like kids have have learned so many skills that cannot be measured by tests and by assessments um, that will serve them really well as they move forward in life. Um, the ability to collaborate, um, be resilient, uh, adapt, um, show grace, um, empathy, and, and you know how to fight and what that looks like. Um, I'd also say that like now, officially, like nobody can ever play dumb again when it comes to the inequities that we see, not only within our, our own social systems, but within education itself, whether we're talking about racial inequities, gender inequities, um, ableist inequities and, and classes inequities, like, like nobody can pretend like they've got their head in the sand anymore. It's, it's, it's done. It's a wrap. So now that we know, what are we going to do about that? Um, I'd also say that like, especially when it comes to a lot of like the DEIJ work, I think that it has become really important that we do a good job of incorporating history into that. Um, and not just having it be about training, but be about learning about not only this country's past, but also about its present and what's going on and making those links. So that way we can step outside of the, step outside of the theoretical and actually get into practice. Um, I'd also say that now, like one of the great things that we have seen is that like our education system is capable of making changes. We, we did find money to give kids hotspots when they needed it, to give them laptops and, and tablets when, when they needed to get that stuff. We did find ways to, to go ahead and, and find some money for training, whether it's on Google Suites and, and things like peer decks and stuff like that. So everything that our education system had told us was not possible because of money and constraints and budgets, 
when when we needed to come up with it, we we did it. And so hopefully that sort of stuff can continues. Um, and also when it comes to ACTs and SET testing, like we we don't need that stuff, and we've proven it. And it took the social unrest, and it took you know this pandemic for those scholastic and aptitude test decided. You know what? We don't need these anymore either. And it, and it took the courage of of Cal States and, and UC systems to go ahead and say, you know what? We we don't need those anymore either. And so hopefully we continue to be that revolutionary and be that change because our society needs it and it's possible. Um, and I'd also say, honestly, that like when it comes to a lot of districts and schools and administrations, um, they have also proven that they, in a lot of ways, are, are not worthy of a lot of the students and the faculty that they have employed for so long. Um, I saw so many great students and families and in and teachers put in a lot of tremendous work um, over the course of the past year, both looking at it through social media and doing Zooms and workshops with other groups of people um, and just seeing it kind of within my own school itself. And um, man, there, there are some really incredible educators out there. And I hope that the exodus of educators that, that we are unfortunately seeing, I hope that that stops, but it's only gonna stop when the systems get better. Um, and I think my, my last thing is gonna be just a, a shout out to, to all the kids out there that have had to survive over the course of these last 15, 16 months. And for some of these kids, a whole lot longer than that, um, especially the graduating classes from pre-K to kindergarten to elementary to middle school and high school, like y'all are doing it. And so uh, I can only say congratulations to y'all. Um, please don't let the older generations like, like myself and, and others gaslight y'all and tell y'all that y'all are weak or that you're soft or that this is a trophy generation and everybody gets an award because Y'all have dealt with a lot of stuff that people do not give you credit for. And y'all are still going to have to put up with, you know, the ramifications of the adults in your lives actions um, as you move on and become adults. And so uh, y'all keep doing your thing and still keep surviving and um, strive to make this world a better place and leave it in a better position than, unfortunately, what my generation and older generations left for y'all. So, uh, yeah, that'll be about it. Here we have Kevin Adams and Gerardo Munoz hosts of the Two Dope Teachers and a Mic podcast, Teachers in Colorado. Biggest takeaway. Oh, man. Kev, you want to start? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. At first, I was, I was surprised. Well, I'm trying like, to, I'm, I'm making space. In. Like, you, you just talked appreciate about it. Appreciate it. That, I appreciate it. Make space, that. make space, baby. Yes, that's, that's it. it. That's it. <laughs> um, I think, you know, the biggest takeaway from this year is that I can, I can change the way things are. Like we were in this mode of like what education is and we saw that we could get rid of standardized testing for a year. We saw that we could drop the focus on our scope and sequence. We saw that we could focus on SEL needs first, right? And really benefit our students. We saw that we could like work. I was in a building leadership position and we saw that we could you know, meet teachers' needs in different ways. We saw that we could let teachers be more flexible with their time and yeah. how that workday went, right? A big revelation was working from home in some ways felt liberating to get out of the building, you know, as a person of color, to not yeah. be in those meetings, some of those hostile yeah. environments, right? Yeah. Not to mention just more time to spend with your family, not having to rush back and forth. Um, so like those are big takeaways that I have, but also, you know, another big takeaway is the inequities that exist. Like, I think that I will always remember these times as a moment where it was clear 
how much inequity there is in our world and in everything, you know, from who was disproportionately impacted by the pandemic, right? We already knew that black and brown people are disproportionately um, impacted by the criminal justice system. We yeah. saw that students were disproportionately impacted by access to education, whether it be remote or hybrid. We saw that the disproportionality and discipline, even when students came back into school, was still there for kids of color, right? Where we heard things like kids of color being sent home because they wouldn't wear their mask or keep their mask up while white students yeah. were given the chance to, you know, multiple times to pull their mask up. Yeah. So I think those are some of my big takeaways. What about you? Chief? I'm going to say, you know, and, and to reduce it to one take, like, I feel like we're going to be talking about this for years. And, and I think my number one takeaway is that there won't be a post COVID environment anytime soon that we still will be living you know, with the trauma and with the ripple effects of having lived through this pandemic and, you know, and, and far be it for me to complain too much. Um, I, I have had an incredible year, like the last year for me has been, I've just been blessed. I've had a lot of incredibly good fortune come my way. And so I realize it, it's a little narcissistic to say, man, that was the worst year ever because I'm here, you know, getting some things. I, I think that in moments of trauma, there's, um, there are opportunities for um, finding a next level, for innovating, for coming up with new ways to do things, and to kind of make the decision that I'm never going back to certain things or certain things I never want to revisit. Um, but more than anything is probably, you know, the, the Bob Marley quote where he talks about why he did a concert the day after being shot. And he's like, the people trying to do harm in this world aren't taking the day off. So um, why should I? And I think what that boils down to for me is that we we still have the neoliberal um, educational industrial complex that is prepping itself to launch itself right back into the mix. Um, disaster capitalism for schools, if 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 you will. And so what I'm realizing is that these systems that were put in place, it took a long time to solidify them. And um, and and you know for all the talk around, we can reimagine education. I just feel like we actually have to keep pushing for that because I'm afraid that once we get back in person, uh, it's all going to be the same. So I think it's one of those things where the, th the things that we were facing on March 13th, 2020 are the things that we'll still be facing in August of 2021. Um, only now, I think those of us doing the good work, and I mean, especially you, you all, you know, um, I, I got to find a way to finesse one of those t-shirts, by the way. Yes. But, but, uh, you know, but, but I think that as, as we see the voices that are joining the fray, like, I, f I feel like we have battalions of scholars who are ready to, to push back even harder than they did before. Like, I think things crystallized for me. I think, I think it became really clear where my priority needs to be. This is Megan Cyril, elementary teacher in Venice and California Teach Plus Senior Policy Fellow. Yeah, this, this year has been like no other, to say the least. And I think, you know, it, it started even before this school year, back in March. Um, and it's been an emotional roller coaster, I think. Um, one of my biggest takeaways is the importance of humanizing education and starting with making sure our kids are doing okay, 
our families are doing okay, our teachers and our staff members are doing okay. Um, you know, getting back to just making sure we're connecting with each other, that we're checking in, especially on the emotional level, has been really, really important this year. You know, I work with third graders, they're eight and nine years old. And um, for my students, one of the biggest challenges has just been being at home and not being able to see their friends on a regular basis, hang out with their extended family. And so um, our time together online was so important because it was an, a time to connect, um, a time to check in, share what's going on at home, meet the pets, meet the siblings. Um, and that's been really special. Um, and I, I know when we go back in person, when we're really all together in person, we need to continue to strengthen those relationships. And that's where we need to start um, next year. I know there's a whole narrative about learning loss. We got to double down on the math and the language arts and test all the kids. But really, where I want to start with my students is let's celebrate. Let's connect. Let's just be together. Um, then we can get to all of the good stuff. But but we got to start there. And so if I have learned anything from this year, it's it's that education should be humanizing and it should be about connecting because that's that's what our students, you know, that's what our, our communities are about. Our kids are not just test scores. Our kids are not just statistics. They are they are amazing. They are so wonderful. And I'm so proud of my students this year in the way that they've connected in the way that they've been vulnerable, in the way that they have shown and shared their learning with each other. Um, and so I'm excited. I'm excited to continue that work when we're back together in person. Wow, folks. Uh, I don't know about you, but so, uh, so moving, so inspirational to hear those words from such uh, just a fascinating collection of educators. And, um, you know, I don't I don't actually have a mic here with me in the studio, but if I did, I feel like I would I would owe that group of people um, a mic drop uh, <laughs> on the 2020 21 school year. Um, for really, I, th I think, just summing up so much of what this experience has been and what it has meant to educators, not only here in, in Los Angeles and in California, but across the country um, in, in so many ways. And we want to take a few minutes ourselves to also uh, you know, reflect and opine for a moment um, on this question also uh, of what were our biggest takeaways from this past school year. So Manuel, I'm gonna hand it over to you first. Um, talk to us, man, what, what do you got? Yeah, well, first of all, we just wanna thank all of, our, all of our guests for stopping by again to be on our show and grace us with their, with their words and reflections about this school year. Because I think, you know, part of me wonders if we've all just globally become so used to the idea of being in a pandemic that like we sort of lost a little bit of perspective of just how how wild this all is so i appreciate the guests for stopping by and and lending their perspectives and, and reminding us of just how momentous the school year has been and this i think collection of voices is one that i personally will probably go back and listen to when the next school year starts just to just to remind myself of of just everything that was the 2020, 2021 school year and just hold on to that perspective and not let myself just like 
slip into this mindset of like back to normal, everything's normal um, because we can't go back to just regular normal. And for myself, when I think about this school year and my major takeaway from the school year, I think it's one that's been echoed by a lot of folks. And I go back to um, Dr. Patina Love's uh, statement last summer when she, she said something about how like this pandemic has shown us like all these big radical changes are possible. And she used the phrase, something along the lines of like, they showed their hands, like when they, when they, said we couldn't have laptops for every kid. And then this pandemic hit and now everyone's got a Chromebook or iPad or something similar. Like they played their hand and, and they showed us that it is possible for a system like ours, like our education system to enact radical change quickly. Like the, the money is there. Like the, all this money that was found uh, during, this, during this pandemic, especially here in California, like Governor Newsom is making it rain on schools right now. It's like, where was this money before? <laughs> So all the all the the resources were there and all the excuses that we heard about why we can't do this, can't do that, like they were just excuses. Like radical change is possible. We look at all these different systems that were uprooted and at least temporarily interrupted during this pandemic from, of course, standardized testing to um, just how we deliver instruction. And for myself, I remember, Jeff, over, over a year ago when the pand pandemic first started and we were discussing like grading like how are we going to grade students like virtually or whatever and we had leo glaze on for that episode and like he mentioned like oh if i had to give grades i just give them all a's and that became a whole thing you know i wrote that piece and i gave all of my students last spring the spring of 2020 all a's and like that didn't break the system it didn't like destroy everything and a lot of my <laughs> students this 2020 2021 school year were students I had last spring when the pandemic started who got all A's last spring. And magically, none of them even brought that up this year. None of them were of the mindset like, oh, Rustin's just gonna bail us out in the end like he did last year. Like it didn't do what people were claiming it was gonna do. It didn't like teach them that they don't have to work or or show them that like, you know, it didn't do any of that. It like helped them out during the worst part of the pandemic in terms of like that initial transition. And and this year they were like back right on it. So these things are possible. These radical changes are very much possible. And I think it, it it's on us right now as educators to keep pushing for, for changes and sticking to those changes because like some of our guests just said, the status quo is, is ready to like get right back to normal. The testing companies and all that stuff is like primed to just like get back to where we were right before the pandemic. And we gotta push back against that in a very major way. I think this school year showed us that the way we grade, the way we assess, the way we connect with students, all of these things can be changed. And that's why I just want to give a shout out again to all these educators across the country, across the world, really, who had to totally reinvent their practice, totally reinvent their practice and everything they do from like warm-ups to assessments and just have to totally rebuild that for a different context. And they did it. And it wasn't easy. It was probably for most educators, the most difficult, educationally, the most difficult school year they've had. But we did it and we can do it and we can continue to push for these changes. So shout out to all the teachers who were part of those changes this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, I so appreciate your words there, Manuel. And, uh, and also want to say uh, to your last point there, right, about the, the amount of work that educators did this year at the same time as that public narrative about educators and specifically about teachers 
started off, you know, remember last spring, folks were like, you know, clapping in the streets for healthcare workers. And there was like a hot second where people were like, and give it up for the teachers, you know, as yep. well. And then it flipped real quick to like, all oh, these lazy teachers, they ain't working and, and this and that. And, you know, listen, I'm sure out there, there are some educators who like didn't work hard for this past year. But the people I know busted their butts, man. And even though... Uh, in some ways, families and the public had a much more intimate view into classroom instruction than they've ever had before. I still am not certain <laughs> that people uh, fully grasp the, the, the work and the emotional toll that this past year has taken on teachers and what it's actually like to try to teach to a Zoom screen that's mostly blank squares Man. where internet connections are bad and kids are trying to talk but they you know it's scritchy and you know they can't have their camera on and and all of that right um, so yeah anyways I'm I'm just co-signing on what you said and saying and on top of that folks did all that with with just some really difficult kind of circumstances around them so um, for sure. I, I would add, Manuel, in terms of my biggest takeaway for this year is I think it was revealed in ways that I, th I think for most educators with like a solid moral center, at least uh, a truth that we have known as a truth, but that there's all kinds of factors that have worked to hide that truth from us, which is what is actually most important about education, public education, the institution of school. And I think that was revealed to us this year in a way that, you know, if there is a silver lining from a horrible pandemic that disrupted everyone's lives, that killed 600,000 people and is still killing people, um, it's that it gave us some perspective on, on some truths. Uh, what really matters? What, what do we actually need out of this thing we call school? And what is this stuff that's you know, nice to have or, uh, you know, or it's just sort of, you know, just sort of peripheral, frankly. And I think what it revealed to us, Manuel, is the stuff that we have given the highest priority to in our definitions of success, our accountability systems, testing, um, you know, uh, the sort of uh, external pressures of, you know, of what matters, right? Your reading and your math and your science scores. Um, those things are not actually <laughs> the fundamental bedrock of what is most important about school. They are interesting measures and we can debate them. But the, the stuff that matters, the stuff we can't do without is relationships, human connection, um, joy, creativity, self-discovery, community, right? Those are the things that we actually missed this year. Those are the things that when parents said, hey, my kid is not doing well this year without being able to be around their peer group or you know, without being able to make new friends, um, it wasn't because they didn't get to sit for the state English exam last spring. <laughs> I didn't hear anybody say that, right? Um, the truth of the matter is school is one of the most important vehicles for community, right? That we have in our country. And that was taken away from us in a large part because you don't get the same experience through, you know, through a, uh, a digital means. And, uh, and I think that was revealed to us. And I hope, Manuel, that when we come back, um, you know, more full scale, 
in the fall or whenever that is in, in your part of the country, that we remember as we put back into place all these other systems that are, that are shaping or reestablishing, hey, what does it mean to be successful at this thing we call school? That we remember that the stuff that actually mattered, that we missed, wasn't the grades, it wasn't the test scores, it wasn't, you know, uh, AP exams, you know, uh, that really was, <laughs> was not the stuff that mattered, right? What mattered was the connection, the community, the relationships, the joy, the creativity. So um, to me, that's, that's my biggest takeaway from this year and something I'm going to um, try to hold with me in my work going forward. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I asked my students as we finished off the school year, you know, their end of the year evaluations of, of myself and the class and, and what their experiences were like. And None of them said that any of their takeaways were about the, oh, Padlet or Jamboard or learning about Canvas and stuff. Like all of them, they were, they were talking about the different ways that teachers found a way to still connect with them, to still try to bring light to the situation. One student, um, one student used a phrase like uh, related to me in, in my particular class, but she was like, you brought light to an otherwise very, very difficult year. And a lot of them were talking about how much they appreciated their teachers for you know, quote unquote, showing grace for for listening and, and understanding them and, and allowing for more flexibility from everything from from deadlines to to whatever. And all of it, I think, harkens back to this idea of like education and the experience of teaching and learning. It's really, a, really about connection. And that was definitely, I think, for most folks, the hardest part about this year is like struggling to to have that or establish that mm. through uh, virtual means or through even a hybrid means where where you know folks are masked up and separated and it just wasn't really the same as is as, as normal schooling so definitely yep. i think this year highlights the importance of like that human connection over all the tech tools over all the you know lesson plans all that stuff whatever but that connection between teacher and student between students and each other between families and the school system like that connection is is everything. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, I agree, man. And, um, you know, it is going to be really interesting to see. I'm sure it's going to make for all kinds of great content here on all the above. Uh, moving into next fall, what actually happens, right? How much of these big takeaways from this year do we as a, as a collective, as a system, as an institution, uh, as a public institution, how much do we actually act on? and respond to and, and shape, you know, around our values versus how much do we just go back and do what we've always done, right? Um, yeah. And if, if anything is true in public education in this country, Manuel, it's that inertia is, uh, is perhaps the most powerful force uh, in the physics of education. So it's going to, at minimum, take a whole lot of work to change direction on some of these things. But but we've learned some stuff, man, and we would be remiss to, um, you know, just set it aside now, I think, um, and, and go back to that, you know, quote unquote normal. Yeah, absolutely. But folks, we want to hear from you. All right, let us know what what were your biggest takeaways from this 2020 to 2021 school year? Reach out to us on, on Twitter or Facebook at AOTA show. Of course, you can email us um, all above show at gmail.com. But yeah, we want to hear from you. We want to know what, what were your biggest takeaways, whether you were in the classroom or not. I think this is a school year that 
everybody experienced in one way or another in terms of either trying to teach or trying to help your 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 young people at home engage with school through a computer screen or, or whatever. So definitely reach out to us, let us know your thoughts. And again, thank you to all of our guests from, um, from this episode, but also all of our guests over the course of this year. This year has been so challenging, so many Zoom appointments and all that stuff. So we had so many guests join us this year. Uh, we just want to send a shout out and, and a lot of love to all of them for making time for all the above. All right. But up next, folks, class dismissed. Let's shout out some folks doing extra, extra wonderful things in the world of education. Stay tuned. What's up, everybody? Thanks so much for watching All the Above. We really appreciate you, and it has been such a fantastic year for the show. All the support we've received has been incredible. There's two things you can do if you wanna support All the Above right now. The first one is easy. All you gotta do is like and subscribe this episode. Give us that five-star rating. Every little click that you give helps us spread the word about All the Above. The second thing is share it with someone who might like the show as well. So colleagues at work, family members, friends, neighbors, anybody who cares about this beautiful thing we call school and education, uh, pass the word on to them. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of the show. All right, folks, now it's time for Class Dismissed. Let's shout out some folks doing wonderful things in the world of education. Jeff, who we got today? Well, Manuel, today uh, we have a very special young person to give some, some props and love to. Uh, I think many folks out there may have heard of this uh, just a couple weeks ago. Um, this young lady, Paxton Smith, 18 years old, graduating from her high school in Dallas, Texas as the valedictorian, had an approved speech uh, that, that she was set to give, but because of some of the very recent news in late May coming out of Texas with one of the most restrictive uh, pieces of legislation stripping women of reproductive freedom and taking away opportunities for women's reproductive health care and essentially functioning as an abortion ban, um, a near complete abortion ban uh, across the state of Texas, she chose to use her platform to uh, to speak out against this issue and to to challenge uh, the the attacks on women's uh, bodily autonomy and personal reproductive freedom. Um, in her valedictorian speech, and uh, it was, I think, a, you know, a beautiful example of a young person using um, their platform to to challenge those in power um, and to rally some of her peers and classmates around uh, both an issue that has systemic effect and you know disproportionate effect on um, you know poor and low income women, women of color, indigenous women, um, especially, but also touches her and her you know, position of, of relative privilege. And um, so I thought it was a, just a fantastic example of a young person, you know, rising to the occasion, using their platform to, uh, to challenge adults and challenge those in, in power. So props and shout out to, uh, to Paxton Smith of Dallas, Texas, and uh, Manuel. Um, what, what would you like to add um, in our praise and respect for, for young Mrs. Smith? Yeah, well, one reason why I think it was it's important to shout out Paxton 
for one, obviously she's dope, phenomenal. And I saw her in an interview talking about this experience and she had said something about how she expected her mic to be muted, but it wasn't, it wasn't cut off. So she continued on. And that had me thinking like, I that reminds me of some story we talked about on this show. And digging through the crates, I saw that a few years ago, we shouted out another valedictorian by the name of Ruha Hagar. And during her, during her graduation speech, she was shouting out the victims of school shootings, the victims of police violence. She shouted out Tamir Rice. And right when she said Tamir Rice, boom, her mic was, was silenced because her school was like, nope, nope, nope. We don't want none of that political stuff here. And this story here with Paxton, it just is another reminder to me that like the youth are all right. A lot of times you hear people say like the, the kids are better than us. And I think this generation, especially this generation that has endured this pandemic, this generation that we are handing a, a world to a world that's on fire in so many different ways. Like this generation, they refuse to be muted. They refuse to be quiet. They refuse to just allow our bans on on uh, critical discussions around race. Our our you know our, all all the messaging that they get from adults that like oh they need a you know these young kids they don't know nothing about hard work they don't know about this they don't know about that like these youngsters will not be silenced. These youngsters will not be muted. Like these youngsters are speaking up. I know myself as a teacher, when working with my my young folks this year, it's just so clear to me that, and I don't know if it's because of the, the, all the information that they're able to access now through, through social media and through whatever means, but like these youngsters, they know what the hell they're talking about and they know what's going on and they, they see it, they see the game and they're like, nope, we're not gonna have this, we're speaking out. And I think Paxton is just the latest example that we've seen of a young person demanding to be heard and a young person using whatever means available, in this case, her platform as valedictorian to speak out against injustice and, and speak out against um, just efforts to continue to marginalize and silence and oppress. So shout out to Paxton, super dope, super dope. And I think Jeff, that's a, a wonderful way for us to end this reflection episode by going back to the youth who've had to endure all this and and just reminding ourselves in the world that like these these youngsters, man, they are they are ready to go for real. Indeed, indeed, Manuel. Couldn't agree more. And uh, what a beautiful way to bring to a close our, our end of the school year reflection episode, as you said. Um, and folks, we just want to thank you uh, for joining us today, for staying with us through this full episode. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We also know there's a lot of buzz out there in the Twitterverse, in the Facebookverse. Folks are wondering about these shirts that we got on today. Uh, these are AOTA show exclusives, okay? Teach the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And if you would like to get one of these shirts of your own, you can. All you have to do is go to aotashow.com slash support. That's aotashow.com slash support. There, there's just a little button you click that says get your merch. And uh, you can enter the AOTA Show store. You can get t-shirts like this, all different colors available. Um, we have different varieties of it. We got the Chicano flag. We got the, the rainbow flag version. Um, you get your hoodies, you get a mug, you can get all different kinds of swag for your favorite unstandardized take on education, uh, you know, talk show here. So um, please do reach out, support the show. We thank you so much for all that folks. And um, we'll see you next time. Yeah.